Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Before we go to today's message, we want to invite you to check out our website, www.harvestagokc.com. Again, that's harvestagokc.com. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. Well, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn over to Matthew chapter number 6. That's where we're going to start today. This is week two in our words series. Um, last week, we talked about courage and how courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the ability to act in spite of it. And we looked at what that meant because if Jesus is in our boat, then he's going to take care of it all, right? Even when we see what appears to be a ghost, there's no way this is going to make sense that God is... We look at him and go, there's no way, but what we see is the, the Lord Jesus coming in the midst of our storm, in the midst of the high winds and waves. We see him walking to us, and we call to him, and he climbs into the boat, and he sometimes calms the, us, he calms the believer before he ever calms the storm. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, he just makes our boat seem like it's moving smooth and steady and easy and nothing's, nothing's bad is happening around us, even though it's still happening, even though it's still there. He calmed us in the midst of it, and he sees us through that. And so that's what we talked about last week. Our text for this entire series is found in Matthew 7, 24 and 25, and it'll be on the screens for you, but it says this. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Now, living in Oklahoma, we all understand what tornadoes can do, amen? We understand that in the midst of that, the Bible says that if we affix our lives in his words, we attach ourselves to the rock that is solid and nothing, no matter what comes our way, will be able to, to demolish us. The second verse that we looked at as our foundational for this, for this series is in Proverbs 18, 21. And it says that the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And I'll just let you savor that for just a minute as you, I'm sure, have somebody in mind. We all have that family member, right? That coworker, that person. This week, we're going to talk about forgive, the word forgive and forgiveness. Forgiveness is huge, amen? It's a big, big, big deal. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's impossible. But I'm so glad that God still majors in the impossible. I'm so glad that God didn't look down on us and say, hey, listen, I want you to do something that you, there's no possible way for you to do, and you're on your own. I'm so glad that God empowers us to be able to do that which is impossible, that which alone, there's no way we would be able to make it through it. Because that's what God's best at. He is unbelievable at reaching down into our lives and saying, you can't do that on your own, but I'm going to help you. You know, that's where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you wait in Jerusalem until you've been endued with power, been given power from on high that you might be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the entire world. Well, that power, that dunamis, that explosive power is what enables us to do things that we can't do on our own. Kind of like when your kids just can't get along. Maybe this is just my family's story, 
But growing up, my brother and I, when we would go on these road trips to South Texas, like, I, I don't know how. Like, my, my dad, there was a cartoon when I was a kid. It was called Mr. Gadget. Anybody remember that cartoon? It was awesome, right? And you had, you had the, the Mr. Gadget who had all these things, go-go gadget arm, and it would go forever. Well, my mom, who was all of four foot 11, somehow had go-go gadget arms, right? Because here we'd be on this road trip, and my brother and I, we fought like cats and dogs. Here we are on this road trip. We're making our way to South Texas to see my grandparents, about a 10-hour drive, and we're in the car, and, 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 and you know, my, my brother and I, we're, we're not the smallest of people, right? So we're in the back seat of this little, um, uh, little Dodge car, and we're making our way, and the next thing I know, we're fighting and bickering, and my mom literally would somehow get that arm back all the way across the car and slap my leg and tell me to be quiet. Leave your brother alone. It's him, not me. Then it got real bad, right? Because my dad, who's in the driver's seat, and I'm behind my dad because I'm shorter than my brother was, and so my legs didn't need as much space. My brother got to sit behind my mom with all of that extra room because, well, she's four foot nothing. She had all this extra room, right? So he's sitting over there, and my dad, I'm, I'm complaining because it's not me. It's him. So I'm complaining. My dad's arm would reach out and around and come around. And my dad, he, he loved to do this thing called, um, let me show you how the cow eats cabbage, right? And he would get a hold of my leg. And the next thing I know, I am whimpering and crying and doing everything I can to get away from him, all because he's got those go-go gadget arms, right? So it's impossible that my brother and I are going to get along. Somehow, because of the hand of the Lord, if you will, <laughs> We managed to keep our mouths shut the rest of the way. We would put on our headphones to our Walkman, break out whatever, you know, DC talk tape that we could find or Carmen. You know, it, I'm really dating myself. And some of you are going, wow, that's not very old. I mean, think about tapes, y'all. Think about tapes. It was really popular then. Not even CDs. We weren't there yet. We were past eight track, but we were on to cassette tapes. And here we are all the way down. It was impossible Sometimes we think the same thing in our life, right? There's no way I'm going to be able to forgive that person. There's no way. So grateful that God can make a way where it seems to be impossible. So with kids, it seems like that same thing, you know, that's like is transferred on down to my children. Where Kate and Cecily, they love to play together, but when they've had enough, it's like, would you guys both have, I don't want to hear a word. I've never wanted to quote Bill Cosby more in my life than I do in that moment. I don't care who's right or wrong. It's about peace. Just be quiet, right? Sometimes Jesus looks down in the midst of our situation and says, it's not about whether or not you're right or wrong. It's about peace and doing what I want you to do. The passage we're going to look at today is one that we're really familiar with, right? We can all, most of us would be able to quote the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to put it on the screens for us. So that as we go, you can just kind of go with you that. If you're not familiar, it's on the, on the screen there for you. And this is going to be out of the, the ESV. But I want us to all say this, okay? Jesus told them to pray like this. Our Father. Everybody repeat loud enough so you can hear yourself. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's where we stop, right? We quote that as the Lord's Prayer. How many of you learned it with what's called the doxology? The next phrase it says, for thine is the power and the kingdom of glory forever and ever, amen, right? We all, we all know that part. We, we, it's been added to it 
seldom are going to find that in Scripture tied to the Lord's Prayer, but that's fine. We stop there. We're good with that part of it, right? Amen. That's good. We're happy. We all love this part when we go back verse by verse where we, we love that part where we, Jesus said, pray this way to us. Jesus said, establish your kingdom here like it is in heaven. Or in other words, kind of what we get into in our Western theology is Jesus, get all them sinners. They got to go. They need, they need you or they got to go. We need your kingdom here and nobody else's. That, that's essentially what we're saying. We're okay with that because it fits in our, our Western theology, our American theological mindset of, of we're, we're right and everybody else is wrong. Then it goes on and, and Jesus said, you know, pray, give us this day our daily bread. We like that because how many of you like something for nothing? Raise your hand. Like if somebody offers you something for free, you're going to take it whether you want it or not. You know, we, right? We know that's true because come to the 50-plus dinners on a Friday night. If we're offering free food, we'll have more people we know what to do with. We ask you to bring something, and we're going to be at least in half. Right? Sorry, Marvin, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. Sometimes the truth hurts, right? We're, we're cool with that. Jesus, we'll take something for nothing. Feed me, Lord. I'll take it, right? Free food. Then he says, forgive us our debts. We're all down for that. Awesome. That's like winning the lottery. Forgive us our debts. No more house payment, no more car payment. That's what we start to equate that to. Forgive us all of our debts. Wait a minute. The second part of this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debts. Jesus, I don't, this was, must have been just a little byline in there. It didn't really mean that. So I, but I guess I could forgive Aunt Pookie for what she did to me 13 years ago at Christmas. It'd be okay. We... I'm, I'm okay with that, but what happened immediately, now that's fine, we'll just move on to that. Because, because he goes on to say, lead us not into temptation, and we like that part, right? Because what do we do? We were like, yes, I'm off the hook. And lead us not into temptation. That means it's Jesus' job to lead us. And if I fall into temptation, obviously he didn't do a good job leading. It's not my fault. This fits real well in our Western theology, right? It's not my fault. I didn't do it. Boy, I, I have heard some grace preachers take this line and run with it all day long because it's not, it's your job to just follow Jesus. And if you ended up in sin, then, you're, then really what you're not doing is you're not really. Heaven forbid that we got off track and took the wrong turn and ended up headlong in sin and we want to blame it on Jesus. Because he said we're supposed to pray, lead us not into temptation. And he said he will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to withstand. But he always provides a way of escape. So if we end up giving into that temptation and jumping into it and saying, I'm going to commit this sin. Guess who did it? We did. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, it's all my fault? Some of you, that may be the first time in your marriage that you've ever said that. And I know you're looking at me going, please don't get carried away here, preacher. <laughs> when we talk about forgiveness, we've got to take this further than just this part of the Lord's Prayer. Because that's not where the Lord's Prayer stops. It's where we end it because we ended the easy part to memorize. We ended the easy part to quote. But that's not where Jesus stopped because he goes on and it gets really, really hard right here. It gets to the point where it's like, you know what, I'm not really sure. He, there's two more sentences there that are, wow, Jesus, why did you do that? And it says, verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, it's one of those buts in the Bible you can't get around. 
But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. This is one of those two verses. I wish Jesus would have like asked someone, hey, do you think it's okay if we stick this in here? You know, when we're writing sermons, you know what, I, there, there's times that like, I think I want to say something, and I want to say it this way, but I'm not really sure how it's going to be received. And so I'll ask somebody, hey, what do you think about if I say it this way? I'll ask Rachel, most of the time, if a joke is really funny, it's because Rachel has approved it and corrected it. If a joke, like, falls off the end of the platform and it's not funny at all, I didn't run it by her and it doesn't work, okay? There's one person in our family that brings the funny consistently, and that's her. It's not me. It's just the way it works. We run that by. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't ask anybody if he could say something. He didn't ask anybody's permission of, is this okay? Hey, what do you guys think? He didn't sit down with the disciples and say, guys, listen, I'm thinking about saying this. What do you, what do you think? We all wish that he would have, though, right? I, I wish he would have. I wish he would have said, guys, I'm going to do, no, mm-mm, that's not what he did. He said, listen, forgiveness is a huge part, and if you won't forgive, you're not like me. And if you're not like me, how can God forgive you? Because you don't understand what it is that I've done for you. Jesus dealt with this, and he said, this is the way that it is. If we're not willing to forgive, I can't do the same thing in your life. You've got to be willing to give away what you have received. So let's start looking at what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. And the first thing we're going to look at is what forgiveness is not. Let's just make it really, really clear, okay? Forgiveness, because I don't want anybody to walk away thinking that you're missing it or you have a different understanding. I want to define this really clearly. Forgiveness is not denial, right? It's not denial. Denial is not a river in Egypt. It is an actual state at which people live in, okay? They live in this denial process of that really didn't happen. It's okay. And we we think if we can deny it away that it won't really have happened. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is also not repression. Repression is bearing the hurt caused by sin. And many times this manifests, if we look inwardly here, this manifests as ulcers or some other digestive tract issue because we take unforgiveness and we swallow it like a bitter poison pill hoping that it will kill the other person. Forgiveness is not repression. Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. It's not letting the offender off the hook. I wish that it could be, but it's not. Now, we let them off of the hook of our own justice, seeking our own revenge, we let them off the hook for that, and we put them on God's hook so that God's the one that gets even with them. That's what forgiveness is. It's saying, I'm not the one that's responsible for whether or not you get justice. I'm going to put that in God's hand because God promised he would get even one day with those who continue to live in sin. When we let them off of our hook, you know what it enables us to do? It enables us to genuinely pray that God would bring forgiveness and restoration to their soul and their spirit that they might enjoy eternity in heaven. That gets really hard when we've swallowed unforgiveness. Why? Because we don't want that. We certainly don't want to spend eternity with someone that's done us wrong. But that's exactly what Jesus said we're supposed to do. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting. We like the idea of we should forgive and forget. I have a hard time finding that in the Bible. 
We may have heard the old phrase that um, God, God casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. I wish somebody would show me where that sea was at. I got some things I'd like to give away. I haven't found that. Now, I, I've, I understand the basis from it because we like what Psalm 103 says. It says, for as, the high in, as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And we like that because if you go east, you keep going east, right? Doesn't matter. You can run into the far east, but you're still traveling east. If you were to go north, eventually when you hit the North Pole and go the other side, you're now traveling south. You can't keep going north, but you can keep going east all the way around and just keep circling the globe. That's what it says that he did. He, get, he, he took our sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. It's, un, it's an un, uh, unfathomable amount of space. That's what he does with it, but it's not forgetting. The Bible says that he chooses not to hold our sins against us doesn't say that God forgets what we've done. After all, doesn't the Bible say that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to be judged according to what we've done? That there is a judgment that goes with that? According to our actions and our behavior, there is a place for that. That doesn't define whether or not we're saved. It just means that we're going to stand before God and give an account for every idle word that we've said, for everything that we've done. Were we a good steward or were we not? He's going to give out rewards if we were faithful. Forgiveness is not being a doormat. You don't have to go back and continue to be wounded over and over again. That's not forgiveness. Here, please hear me say that. If you've ever been in an abusive relationship, continuing to go back to someone who abuses does not mean that you have forgiven. Abuse simply means that you keep going back and become the doormat. You become the dog that continuously gets kicked. That's not forgiveness. Boundaries are necessary. They keep us from repeatedly being wounded from the same person or the same issue. We need boundaries. The, the last thing that forgiveness is not is it's not the requirement of an angry God to get even with us. He's not trying to get even. One day he will judge accordingly, and if we don't forgive, there's a place that that's going to be taken care of. So don't live in that idea of these things, these six things, that that's what forgiveness is. It's not those things. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is God's gift to allow us to love in the face of very real pain and very real evil. See, some of us, you have been wounded so deeply by what someone has done, by what they've done to you. Maybe as a child you were molested. Just because all that happened doesn't mean that Uncle Joe should just get off the hook and never pay for us. There is a price to pay for that kind of sin. But, but it's the, the gift that God gives us to be able to love in spite of that. Forgiveness is changing the way you think and feel about a person so that you can remember what happened without becoming or remaining bitter about it. Bitterness is an evil root that goes down deep and will spoil everything that happens in our lives. We've got to do away with that, and we've got to learn to forgive so that we can change the way we think and the way that we feel. Forgiveness is the only way not to remain the victim. We all know people that play the victim real well, don't we? They're good at it, some of them. I mean, you're like, bro, come on. Have you ever had somebody that you wish, like you could just sit them down with Medea? Mm-hmm. Don't be pointing your fingers. Please don't point your fingers at your spouse or your kids. 
or your parents. Man, sometimes we wish we could just sit down and she would do her. Th- sometimes we need that, right? Forgiveness allows us to quit playing the victim and to be free from the hold that unforgiveness had on us. Forgiveness is putting the responsibility for justice in the hands of the only one who can truly give justice that matters, and that's God. See, God's idea of justice is to make things righteous. The the greatest thing God could do would be to bring forgiveness and wholeness to a person's soul and spirit and, and, and their life so that they become in right standing with him. That is God's idea of justice. Forgiveness is also choosing to deal with the consequences of the person's sin and not hold it against them. Let me give you an example of what that means. Perhaps there's a girl who gets raped and she conceives a child in the process. And she chooses to keep the child or to place the child for adoption, but she has the child. It doesn't mean that the rapist doesn't go to prison It means that she chooses to live with the consequences and love that child anyway. When we were going through our adoption process, we had the very real opportunity to meet a young lady that that was her story. Her fiancé had been deployed overseas. She was in a really dark spot. She went with some friends to a, a party which was out of character for her. Someone slipped her something while she was at the party, took advantage of her. She was raped in the process, she conceived a child, and she placed that child for adoption. She literally on a daily basis lives with the consequence of the sin that was committed against her, but she chose not to hold it against them and to bring that baby into the world so that the baby could could be loved, could be uh, grow up to become all that God intended for it to be. That's choosing to live with it. Or maybe it might look a little bit like this. Maybe mom or dad has an affair and breaks up the family and you choose to love the parent who was in the wrong in spite of what they've done. I I live with the consequence that my family is no longer together, but I choose to love through that without holding it against them. That's a very real issue that we've got to get right down to the depths of and deal with. So let me illustrate this a little bit farther for you. Being sinned against produces two things. It produces pain and fear. When somebody does you wrong, it produces pain and fear. It's kind of like, the natural response, though, to those is anger. We get mad because we don't know how to deal with it. Anger grows as the scab over both of them. It's always the secondary emotion. The first is pain and fear. If I go out into the shop, which, as Bill and Josh know real well, I have no business being in the shop. But if I'm over in the shop trying to build something, and I take a nail, and I'm nailing two boards together, and I miss the nail, which I'm good at, and I smash my finger, what do I do? You scream, right? The first feeling you have is pain. The second is anger. You throw the hammer across the room. You jump and shout and scream and try not to curse. You, some of you don't even try. You just go right ahead. But you, <laughs> you deal with the pain, right? And anger is the second. Why am I doing this? I shouldn't be, you know. And we start. Why is my wife want me to build this stinking cabinet? I don't know. Just buy the stinking thing. We, that's what we do, right? It's the natural kind of response to that. What do we do the next time? Fine, I'm going to go back, I'm going to build this thing. The next time, what do we do? We like hold that thing with some pliers. And we tap real soft and slow until it gets started. And then we, you know, no, I'm kidding. 
But you, you're real cautious and careful so that you don't repeat the same thing. We do the same thing when it comes to our relationships and forgiveness. We get wounded and the natural response to the pain or the fear that's invoked because of what's happened is anger. I'm angry at you. How dare you do that to me? But pain and fear are the underlying emotion that have to be dealt with. So as we work through this process and we allow God to bring the healing that, that is supposed to occur, we, we've got to realize that anger is just our attempt to get justice in the life of the sinner. We get angry and we want them to pay. They need to go to jail. We want them to have, you know, we start praying for them like that old country song, right? Pray that their brakes go out. You, you know what I'm talking about? We, we start praying that way and that's not the way we pray. That's not the way this works. We've got to get real with where we're at. We think we can bring healing to our own life by making sure they get what they deserve. That's where we take them off of our hook because the only way to bring healing into our lives is to bring forgiveness and that's for God to get involved in our situation. You see, when we involve God, it naturally evokes healing in our lives. And all of this is a process. It's a huge decision. Huge decision. Think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, knows his whole life is about one thing. It's about going to the cross to pay our penalty, right? He knows, because he's God, that you and I are going to do some really crazy stuff. He knows you're going to come, you're going to come to an altar, and then as you go through the week and you're trying to figure this thing called Christianity out, that there's going to be times that you're going to kind of spit in his face and turn away from it and continue to act in the sin that he's trying to get us out of, right? And yet, what does he do every time? Forgives. He's faithful to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from our unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful to do that. Think personally back in your own life. How many times have I totally over and over and over abused that relationship? And yet, what does he do? He continuously takes us back. If we treated ourselves like we treat others, what would we do if we were Jesus? Bye-bye, I ain't got time for you. You got to go. I can't have you in my life because you know what? Every time you do something, just we're not willing to forgive like he does because, well, you know, we get this close up. We've got to be willing to allow God to bring some healing and wholeness into it. We've got to be willing to look at our kids, look at our spouses, look at our ex-spouses and say, you know what, I forgive you and release you from the pain that it's caused in my life. I forgive you and allow you to move on. Now, my, my friend, uh, a friend of mine who's a, a pastor of a church, and I'm going to leave him nameless because I don't have his permission to share all the, con the details of this story. He shared it publicly, but I'll leave it with him. He tells this great story of forgiveness in his own life because as a child, his dad was very abusive. He, he remembers and, and tells the story about how God has restored their relationship to where it's amazing now. But as a child, it was really rough. He, in fact, at one point after his dad had gotten saved, the Lord was dealing with him. And so he says, you know what? I need to go and forgive my dad. And God told him, you need to tell him every single thing you're asking that you're forgiving him for so he can be released from it. Okay. And then God reminded him in his heart of this, it's going to hurt. Okay. So he goes, and he sits down with his dad and says, Dad, I need to talk to you. Okay. What is, bud? He says, Dad, I forgive you. 
for all the pain that you caused us growing up. Man, thank you. He said, and dad, I forgive you. Do you remember the time that you were drunk and you came home and you were mad at me and you took the cigarette and put it out in my arm because I forgive you for that. And his dad began to cry and said, why are you doing this? It's because I want you to know I forgive you. And do you remember the time you were angry with me as I was headed out the door and you kicked me out the front glass door, literally through the glass and showed him the scars in his arms? Dad, I forgive you. Tears streaming down his face. He said, son, why are you doing this? Because, Dad, I want you to know I forgive you. The very freeing thing, story after story after story of, I forgive you for this. I forgive you. Case by case, the ones that he held against his father, releasing him, freed not only him, but it freed his dad. Jesus looks down at us and says, please ask for forgiveness. It will free you. Forgiveness in that sense is hard to let go. It's hard to get to that point. Because, I mean, let's face it, sometimes we, we don't want that. We don't want to deal with the pain and the hurt. But Jesus says, bring me your pain and your hurt and I'll help you through it. There's a story long ago about two monks who were traveling together and they approached an unusually rough river. Standing alone on the brink was a woman on the bank of the, of the river was a woman who approached these monks and asked if they could help her cross so that she could return home to her family. Now, in this time, it was forbidden to touch a woman, and they knew this. So one monk quickly looked the other way, ignoring her request for help. The other monk, however, feeling compassion for this desperate lady, decided to bend the rules and break tradition. So he lifted her up into his arms and carried her safely across the river. Exceedingly grateful, the lady thanked the helpful monk and left for home. The two monks continued on their journey. And after miles of traveling silently, the first monk finally said with disgust, I cannot believe you picked up that woman. You know we're never supposed to touch anyone of the opposite sex. The compassionate monk simply replied to his friend, I put her down miles ago, and yet you continue to carry her in your heart. Folks, today, in a few minutes, we're going to be receiving communion as the ultimate reminder of the price that was paid to us, for us, for us to have forgiveness. But before we do that, I want to take a moment, I want to give you a chance to respond to today's message. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, perhaps you're here today and you've been carrying around the pain and the guilt of someone else's sin against you. You haven't forgiven and you're holding on to the very truth that the poison you're swallowing day after day you wish would have its effect on somebody else. But friends, it's not going to work. It's not going to make anything better. It's not going to help you be like Christ. And it's a very real truth from Scripture that when we don't forgive, we cut ourselves off from God's part of the process. We cut ourselves off from that. Folks, the last thing in the world I want for any of you is to be cut off from God's grace and mercy and goodness. And today, 
if you're here and you're carrying unforgiveness towards anyone as, as I have preached this message to you and I know it's not been a shout and screaming, screaming barn burner get you all fired up it's getting right down into the very real sense of where you're at so that you can become more like Christ and even this morning in my own prayer time early today as I was going over this I just prayed and said God search my heart am I holding on to unforgiveness and God began to deal with my heart and began to point out things that I'm, I've missed, I've not let go of. And I began right there to, to confess and say, Lord, help me. So if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Travis, I'm holding on to unforgiveness. I'm hanging on to it and I want to let it go. I want God's help to be able to forgive. Would you slip up a hand? Okay. Who else? Yeah. Who else? Okay. All right, you can put your hands down. Maybe you're here today, you would say, Pastor Travis, I've never accepted the forgiveness of God's grace in my life to be in right relationship with him. And today I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and allow that grace to be applied to my life. Would you slip up a hand if that would be you? All right. All right. If you would, all across the room, stand right where you're at. Before we distribute the elements for communion, I want to I lead us in a prayer. So all across the room as you stand, if you raised your hand or you should have, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask today that you help me to be like you and to forgive those who have done me wrong. Help me to let myself off the hook, to forgive myself for those that I've hurt, to those that I've harmed, to those that I've sinned against. Help me today, Jesus, to become like you and not cut myself off from God's part of the process. Help me to forgive like you have forgiven me. To put into practice what you've done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.